the Lord our God belong mercies and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws which he set before us. Dearly beloved brethren, the scripture moveth us in sundry places to acknowledge and confess our manifold sins and wickedness and that we should not dissemble nor cloak them before the face of Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, but confess them with an humble, lowly, penitent and obedient heart, to the end that we may obtain forgiveness of the same by his infinite goodness and mercy. And although we ought at all times humbly to acknowledge our sins before God, Yet ought we most chiefly so to do when we assemble and meet together to render thanks for his great benefits that we have received at his hands, to set forth his most worthy praise, to hear his most holy word and to ask those things which are requisite and necessary, as well for the body as the soul. Wherefore I pray and beseech you as many as are here present to accompany me with a pure heart and humble voice unto the throne of the heavenly grace, saying after me. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who desireth not the death of a sinner, but rather that he may turn from his wickedness and live, and hath given power and commandment to his ministers to declare and pronounce to his people, being penitent, the absolution and remission of their sins. He pardoneth and absolveth all them that truly repent and unfeignedly believe his holy gospel. Wherefore, let us beseech him to grant us true repentance and his Holy Spirit, that the things may please him which we do at this present, and that the rest of our life hereafter may be pure and holy, so that at the last we may come to his eternal joy, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. Save us. Oh, Lord, save 
to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be first lesson is taken from the first book of Kings, chapter 18, beginning at verses 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, 
Ahab said to him, Is it you, you the troubler of Israel? He answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore have all Israel assembled for me at Mount Carmel, with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets number 450. Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire is indeed God. All the people answered, Well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. Then call on the name of your God, but put no fire to it. So they took the bull that was given, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, crying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no answer. They limped about the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, surely he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he has wandered away, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Then they cried aloud, and as was their custom, they cut themselves with swords and lances until the blood gushed out over them. As midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no answer, and no response. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come closer to me. And all the people came closer to him. First he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to contain two measures of seed. Next he put the wood in the altar, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the altar. He said, 
Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Again he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So that the water ran all around the altar and filled the trench also with water. At the time of the offering of the oblation, the prophet Elijah came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your bidding. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering. The wood, the stones, and the dust, and even licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. Here endeth the first lesson.
The second lesson is from John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 19 to 28. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptised by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to, to, to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptise you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Here endeth the second lesson.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the King.
which thou hast given us in our Saviour Jesus Christ. This evening's choir anthem is On Jordan's Bank. The words of the anthem were written by the French teacher and writer Charles Coffin, who was the rector of the University of Paris for more than 30 years. Among his writings were several hymns. A couple of them were written for the season of Advent. One was On Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry and the other hymn was The Advent of Our King. The lyrics of both of these hymns were translated into English by the Reverend John Chandler. The music of tonight's anthem is based on a hymn tune dating from 1690 called Winchester New. This arrangement is by the English composer, conductor and organist Malcolm Archer who is a former organist and director of music of Bristol Cathedral, Wells Cathedral and St Paul's Cathedral, on Jordan's Bank.
May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stanley Green was a well-known London character. Between 1968 and his death in 1993, he walked up and down the shopping area of Oxford Street carrying a placard warning against eating protein. Rather bizarrely, Stanley believed that if people ate less protein, they would become kinder, better human beings. And despite his unconventional views, most considered Stanley a harmless eccentric and walked on by. When we read about John the Baptist, we might well dismiss him as a similar sort of eccentric, living out in the wilds of the desert, dressed in camel hair and eating locusts. He presents a very strange figure. Like Stanley, he brought a message of warning and John's was a, a particularly difficult one to take. Judgment was imminent. There was a need to repent. Yet, unlike Stanley, the Baptist was not ignored. People flocked to hear his message with great anticipation and excitement walking many miles from all the surrounding areas into the baking desert to hear his words. So why was John's message so vitally important to them? Well, they rushed to see John because they were excited by what he had to say. He was teaching that what they had longed for, for many, many years, the coming of the Messiah, was now about to happen. He brought a prophetic message, the significance of which was emphasised by his being the first prophetic voice that the Jews had heard for over 300 years. God had finally broken his silence and people's expectations were high. However, it wasn't only John's words that suggested that he was a prophet with an important message. His Camel hair clothing would have reminded the crowds of Elijah, the very prophet that the Jews expected to return one day to herald the coming of the Messiah. And this is supported the understanding of John by stating that he was the one 
spoken of many years ago by the prophet Isaiah, the one who would make the way ready for the Lord. John's way of getting people ready, however, was tough. He taught that they needed to repent, a word which in the original language means much more than feeling sorry or even saying sorry. It involves a turning away from wrongdoing and a radical change of behaviour. John had particularly harsh words for the religious leaders of the day who believed that they didn't need to repent because of their very strong Jewish roots, that that would be enough to save them. He warned them not to be complacent. Being related to Abraham wouldn't be enough. Their lives had to show evidence of good works, for John taught that the Messiah's work would involve the judgment of the unfruitful and a separation of the wheat from the chaff. John's message was a hard one. Would we, like the people of his day, greet him with enthusiasm and excitement, rushing on foot through many miles of hot desert to hear his message? Or would we just dismiss his scary preaching as an outdated remnant of the Old Testament era? Can't we safely just nor his uncomfortable words, now that we know Jesus' message of grace and forgiveness and salvation through faith. Well, tempting as it is, like the people of John's day, we too await the Messiah. But this time, we're anticipating his return. Jesus taught of the urgent need to be ready for this. He also spoke of judgment as well as salvation and grace. Can we, because we're Christians, relax? and assume that these words are only aimed at those who have no faith in God. We're okay, aren't we? Well, both John and Jesus had harsh words for those religious leaders of their day, despite them being people of prayer who believe strongly in God. John criticised them for viewing their heritage in the Jewish faith as a substitute for leading transformed lives. So is there a warning here for us as believers too? Can we grow complacent in our faith and fail to remain open 
to the voice of the Holy Spirit, prompting us to repent, change, and lead more fruitful lives. The season of Advent reminds us that this world order is a transient thing. One day, Christ will return and shake up everything. The people of John's day were very serious about getting ready for the Messiah. They did not ignore John or dismiss him as an over-the-top eccentric. This Advent, how do we deal with John the Baptist? An oddball who can be overlooked, walked past, ignored, or God's prophet to be taken seriously. Amen.
The day is now past and the night is at hand. Let us pray to the Lord. Blessed Lord, you prepare a pathway to your presence. Call us all to repentance. Give courage to your church to announce your kingdom. May we be rooted and grafted into your Son. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Blessed Lord, you challenge the powerful and restore the weak. Bring all the nations to the ways of justice and peace. We hold before you the continued situation in the Ukraine. For all people caught up in the warfare. For all those who pray and hope for peace. By the power of your Holy Spirit, may we abound in hope. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Blessed Lord, you heal the divisions and hurts that drive a wedge between our communities. Bring us to live in harmony with one another. We pray for our neighbours, our friends and our loved ones. During this season of Advent and the busyness that it gives us, may we be always mindful of you, Lord, in our lives, in our homes, that we may prepare a place for you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Blessed Lord, you come to everyone in their need, and your compassion overflows to cover the earth. Pour out your healing and life-giving presence on all for whom we pray from this community. And in the silence we hold anyone on our hearts and minds this evening. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Blessed Lord, when our hearts are aching, you hear our cry. Open the door of your kingdom to all who have died. May they dwell in your court forever. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Saving God, you sent John to announce your redeeming presence. We pray for all those who need your love, your comfort and your presence at this time. May they come to see your salvation. 
merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look kindly on you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and all whom you love and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.